0: Do you want to found a business, but you're unsure about the first steps? This podcast recaps the event called Found Your Future, which was launched by the venue Berlin in cooperation with students from Pop Academy, Beere, Fabian and Lukas, to focus on some of the main points when it comes to founding. Founders and experts from the creative industry are sharing their knowledge in different keynotes. Learn and grow with us.
1: Hello, audio.
0: By the venue Berlin.
1: In this podcast, you will learn about the topics motivation, pitching, legal issues, finance, investment readiness and founding. The next two speakers, Tilman Kemper
0: and Anastasia Trojanov from APX, are teaching you more about finance, investment readiness and sources of funding. As Tilman just said, we're both from APX. I'm Anastasia. I'm part of the investment and selection team. So, who are we? APX stands for Axel Springer and Porsche. It's a joint accelerator and early-stage VC here in Berlin. Uh, we're located not too far away from here at Mark near Checkpoint Charlie. And what we do is that we like to see ourselves as the most ambitious European early-stage VC and accelerator. So, we invest early-stage, pre-seed. What does that mean? Uh, we invest in very early companies that are a f- couple of months to a year old, that haven't sought funding for now, or at least a low amount, um, are still working on their product and product market fit, have generated some early traction, and are ambitious and passionate about their project. We're tailor-made, which is a quite different approach to most of the accelerator and VCs you would actually find around Berlin or in general Europe. So what we actually do with our 100-day program, we tailor it to the needs of the startup. So we do not work in batches where we have 15, 20 startups walking the program side by side, although not being at the same stage or not having the same focuses. What we like to do is um, ask the startups in the beginning of our program what they want to achieve, what are their pain points, what are the main KPIs they want to achieve and try to tailor our program, our mentorship program to their needs. So for example, if startups need a lot of, I don't know, strategy uh, consultation and mentorship, we would try to help them with that but also connect them with the mentors from our network and our network is actually very unique and very big because we can both tap into Porsche's as well as Axel Springer's networks, and yeah. Furthermore, we love and live diversity. We're a very diverse team, not internally at the APX team, but also other startups, covering uh, various nations and ethnicities. Um. So here. We're not only diverse in who we are, but also who we invest in. Uh, We invest industry agnostic, not only in the fields of media and mobility, as uh, some of you might think. So so far, we've done 30 investments in early-stage companies that are all digital, as we do not invest in hardware. So, for example, if we take two examples out of our portfolio, Dogo is a B2C, so business-to-consumer dog education app. In which we invested and they have been very successful since also ranking quite high on the App Store Um, and another company that I could present you is ChemSquare which is a very classical B2B so business to business startup focusing on on chemistry and the sourcing of chemicals. When we talk a little bit about what is important for founders and startups when they're seeking venture capital investment we like to think of four questions why you why this why now why IPX so why you is about how you as a founder and as a founding team are the right persons to follow that path and to solve the problem you want to solve. So when looking at pitch decks or pitches, what we really want to understand is what problem are you solving, and why are you solving it, and especially why you are the right team to do this. So this has to do also with your background, with your experiences, with your own networks, your team dynamics, and how you work as a group. Why this? I already said something about the problem. So why is this topic you're uh, tackling at the moment? Why is this relevant now? Why hasn't anybody else done it? Or if there is, how have they done it, or how have they actually Successfully done it or not successfully done it. Why now is the same, it goes in the same direction. Why is it currently relevant? What is the pain point you're trying to solve right now? And why APX? This is very specific to our application process. Generally, that means when you talk to investors or when you talk to partners, try to understand why they would partner up with you and give them something. So it's a call to action sharing about mutual benefits or potential partnerships that you could have with that partner. When looking at the pitch deck, what are key elements that we'd like to see in order to have a full and complete application? So we also have a blog where we publish quite a bit of content, where we also have a lot of content regarding pitches and investments. So you can go on our website and actually follow our blog. One article is called The Perfect Pitch Deck, which reflects what we're going to say right here. Usually a pitch deck is constructed by first the problem you're trying to tackle, and then your solution and your product. Um, how you're going to monetize it, so the b- business model behind it, um, and the market. So the market is on one side, not only the size of the market, how big is your market, for example, in Germany or in Europe or the Dach region, as well as the competition. It's very important for you to do a thorough analysis of your mar- market to understand who are your competitors. So, for example, if we're touching on a social network in the music space, um, A competitor slide where you have Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat would be far too high level, because of course you're competing with them, but not on the same level. Furthermore we like to see a roadmap. so where did you come from, what are the steps you already did, but where do you want to go to, what is your vision, what is the actual stuff or activities you want to do in the future, and finally more information about you and as I just explained, the call to action.
1: All right, thank you so much. Anastasia already pointed to the problem where initially when we pitch, when we talk about pitching in general, when we talk about a pitch deck, we like to see what problem you're actually solving. And that is super crucial because the idea is not worth pursuing as long as you're not solving someone's need and someone's pain. Therefore, I kind of like this. This is one idea out of one pitch deck we encountered about feeling the pain, making the pain felt and why it is painful why it is timely, what is the status quo today, and what is the underlying problem that you're uh, seeing, that you're facing. So when you think about what is a, a good idea to come up with, a lot of times people just try to be creative, try to come up with a smart solution for something, but really try to understand industries, try to understand pains that you encounter that you are then trying to solve. And a lot of times, especially if you don't have an idea yet, there's a very good way to go about it and also to validate your assumptions. In general, once you send in a pitch deck, is what do we actually look at inside of your several dimensions we already simply talked about uh, or just talked about the the product the market we talked about the roadmap where we are trying to understand how you as a startup want to develop but in general afterwards we during our 100 days and uh, we during our tailor-made program are really trying to make you investor ready to help you on your journey to become investor ready for the next round of funding This is our core at what we do. uh, This is the core at what what we do, and this will also help us to gain foot and gain momentum in this ecosystem. In general, talking about investor readiness dimensions, if you want to call them this, we usually consider six to seven. Let's take legal out because legal is more binary. So either you're incorporated or not. But for the more softer and more qualitative dimensions, we look at vision to product. So when I talk about this, we want to understand what is your long-term dream? Where do you want to go? Is this a $1 billion idea and company, or does it really have a small market? We talk about users and customers. Here we talk also about quantitative factors. We talk about how fast can you grow? What is your customer acquisition strategy, which kind of touches upon the sales and marketing as well? What are your actually metrics? And by metrics, I mean, what are your key performance indicators that drive the success of your startup? So for example, traffic or app downloads, as we talked about the Doc education app earlier. Um, the financial model comes in at some point because we need to understand that you're actually making money. So in that sense, initially it can be about providing value but how can you monetize using the business model at hand and how does it translate year over year the product plan and roadmap is super crucial for tech startups especially when you talk about features how can you Evolve from the status quo that you have today. What kind of features do you plan to implement in order to improve your UX the user experience or the user interface for example sales and marketing is about how can you grow how can you reach the right people if you're talking about B2B it's companies it needs to be a lot more personal whereas for B2C you need to reach you and me and everyone who stumbles upon an app in the app store and it needs to become sticky. Lastly, the team is super, super crucial. We always draw this comparison of a great team to a mediocre product and idea can still catch up and become great, whereas a great idea to a mediocre team has a hard time on really like executing and becoming successful. So now you might ask, so how do we measure this? What are frameworks we're using? How do we actually conduct this? How can you as a founder track where you are at? And we've come up with this framework, which we call startup growth map, where you look at several dimensions again business idea you look at the technology underlying your entire solution you look at the users and customers and there are parts of the conception the planning and parts of the operations the execution you can also call this what does success look like and how do you get there in that sense you can take any dimension here and you can think about it for business idea what is actually my grand vision what is my dream then you further on develop hypotheses on how do i get to this dream and what are goals on that journey to get there. So it's a step-by-step progress and process where you, you are really like mapping out your future success before you actually go into the execution, the operations, where you talk about a timeline. By when do I want to reach what goal? You talk about execution. Do I go out, do I hand you a flyer, do I contact you via email, or am I um, opening up Google AdWords, for example, or Facebook marketing campaigns? And lastly, There's a validation step. Does it actually succeed in what I want it to be? Does it actually turn out? Does it convert in a positive manner? If it does not, there are actually a few uh, things that can happen. And I'll just skip this here a bit, skip this forward. You can either re-evaluate your execution. You can talk about your plan and strategy, adapt it, try again. We usually preach and try to live by it ourselves. Fail fast, fail often, and try to avoid the epic fail, right? You need to learn, but you're really learning from your mistakes. It's fully okay if you do make mistakes because usually they can be converted and transferred into learnings. And that say, in that sense, whenever you find out in the reality and the validation stage that something's not panning out, try to make adjustments to some of these like conceptual or these operational steps in order to become better next time. And, Whenever you are starting up with a company, whenever you are already in further advanced states, when you are already at a Series A, Series B and raised 5 to 8 to 10 million euros, you can still use this and always reflect on your situation. The self-reflection is super important for yourself, but also for investors, because that in the end will be convincing when they are asking on why this will become a success and why this is actually an opportunity for each side. So in the last um, point we wanted to touch upon were sources of funding. And the source of funding actually matters. It's not only about the amount of money that you can raise. It's also about the partnership that you are entering. In that sense, we quickly wanted to touch upon four categories here. We'll come to that in a second. But really ask yourself, what kind of company are you trying to build? Is it going to be a for-profit or a non-profit company? Is it going to be impact-driven? Is it going to be product-driven? Do you really want to walk the VC path? So do you want to enter the venture capital scene in order to grow quickly, also inorganically, but really excel at the growth that you are able to achieve through external capital. But also, please be aware, as soon as you take in money, it means you're giving up independence. And this is oftentimes underestimated by young founders, by early stage founders, because you believe you're your own boss. But as soon as you take in investors, especially once they invest in equity, you are accountable to what you do. And they will ask about many, many things that will be part of your decision making cycles. And this cannot be emphasized enough. In general, when we talk about funding, we differentiate between these grants and non-equity programs where you are actually not giving up any stake in your company, um, there are by now many, many cool options. If you're from Germany, um, think about the Exist um, grant. There's also the Smart, for example, in the UK, in general, in England or Scotland, where you can raise up to 100,000 euros or pounds, and you don't have to give up a single percentage of your company. There are also non-equity programs who kind of serve as accelerators but are oftentimes kind of impact-driven then we have the exit-driven category, and this is where this VC path really becomes relevant. You talk about accelerators and early-stage investors, kind of where we as APX stand, where we take a small cut of your company in order to really get you going, in order to like get this traction started. And then typically we look at business angels. Those are private individuals who also want to give back, but also want to support founders especially. And then there are VC firms, institutional investors who invest for a living, who have their own investors who are saying, hey, here are 10 million euros. Overall, it's a 100 million euro fund. Deploy this money and Make a return for myself. In that sense, they purely care about how successful this company can become, and then in the end, what kind of exit. So, how high you can sell each share that you own will be worth it in the end. There's strategic investors, family office offices, which are a lot more product-driven and service-driven. So they kind of care about the solution, not only about the exit drive of typical. Capital for-profit VC firms, but also maybe can this product for Porsche, for example, in the automotive industry, become relevant for our own services. Sometimes this can also be a good example for army applications. So there are people in the army who actually want to make the lives of each other better, and in that sense, this is more product-driven, also impact-driven, but not exit-driven. And lastly, there's always... Um, this topic of crowdfunding and this is very difficult to answer there's not one right or wrong answer whether crowdfunding is good or not but we generally differentiate between equity crowdfunding and non-equity crowdfunding why this is so important is because equity crowdfunding means that you are actively giving away parts of your company to other people potentially to thousands of people when you consider equity crowdfunding for your own cause really make sure that you are not destroying your cap table. The cap table is a term we use in our industry to understand how many different people own parts of the company and with how many different people do I need to enter negotiations in any future round of financing and funding. In that sense, as soon as you have a thousand counterparts to whom you have to talk before you can really execute any decision, you are wasting time, and you will not get it done. In that sense, if you do equity crowdfunding, be sure that there's a lean way to make decisions. However, there's also a very positive side to it, right? Crowdfunding can really be used to generate traction, and traction is something that every investor wants to see. By generating traction, this can be on several dimensions, such as money, but also simply product validation. People see that the product the idea, the service you're building is needed in the market. Think about Indiegogo or Kickstarter. It's a very easy way to make sure that what you are looking to solve is actually needed in the market. If there are 1,000, 10,000 or 100,000 people donating or giving money, pledging money to your case, you can also go to investors and say, hey, look at this, this is market validation. There are people already, even before the service exists, that are able to give me money today. And this is a great sign. In that sense, crowdfunding, somewhat difficult as soon as it is equity related. However, in general, it can have a very nice touch to it as soon as people ask about the validity of your product and where this could potentially go in terms of building momentum and making sure that your product is actually needed.
0: Thank you, Doman. Um, in summary, what we want to give you on your way is... That In general, when you're finding your startups and trying to talk to partners and and VCs or investors, business angels, or even crowdfunding partners, uh, really focus on the problem you solve and not only the idea. Make the problem really tangible to that person in order to be understandable. Investors consider several dimensions of investor readiness. Be aware of where they stand. So we just described our investor readiness dimensions, but make sure that when you talk to a partner, You actually inform yourselves about him or her, their investment readiness dimensions, their investment focus. Look up what kind of investments they've done before, what are their interests, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. Do your homework and yeah, there are different types of funding. You really need to understand which type is the best fit to you. VC investment is not only the, the one and only investment type you can get and it's very often not the right type of investment for companies, especially when you're looking at more purpose-driven or impactful driven uh, companies. yes. And all in all, stay true to yourself and to your idea. be ambitious and yeah if you have any questions, feel free to ask. We would like to thank Beryl, Fabian and Lukas, who have had the great idea for this event series and who helped us to record this podcast. Huge thanks also to Josie for producing this podcast and of course Melodrive for the jingle.
1: Hello, audio. By the venue building.